end. And uh, the end meaning uh, the end of all the pain and suffering I will cause on Sunday mornings on this series. Have no fear, I will be back with something new in two weeks. Uh, as you know, uh, we journey this life together. But we will finish our kind of series on evil and suffering. And I did mention next week the Osterbrocks will be with us sharing what the Lord has laid on their heart. And then uh, three weeks of something uh, before we get into Advent. And I can't believe I'm already trying to nail down Advent, uh, which means Christmas is, uh, let's see, just around the corner so Christmas is, I believe, like five, eight, nine Sundays away. So, woohoo. Don't you know what that means in our office? Lots of Christmas songs. Yes. So, but we, we come to this time. We come to the book of Revelation where we will go. But before we dig in there, let me ask this. Where are you looking this morning? Where are you looking? Where are you looking for hope? Where are you looking for love? Where are you looking for truth? Where are you looking for the authority in your life? Where do you gain perspective? That's an important question that we must answer. We must answer it daily, really. As much as I'd like to say, I've answered this once and I'm done, that's not the case. Where are you looking? Because where we go where we look, or where we look, we go. That's why the rear view mirror in our cars are smaller than the front mirror. You, you know, but where you go, where you look, you go, where are you pointed? And in part, that's where you are looking for the perspective of things. We become like that, which we look to. This is why Paul in the book of Corinthians, one of his letters to the Corinthians said, uh, bad company corrupts good behavior. And so, uh, you teenagers, yeah, I'm glad you wake up a little bit now. All right, you know, and you, all right? This is why your friends, don't be your friends now, I can almost forget where you'll be in five years. That's how important to those around. Now to you, not teenagers, those older adults, show me what you watch. And I will show you where you'll be in five years. Show me the sources of authority, and I will be able to probably predict where you are in five years. That's why Larry's so welcome. He watches a lot of golf. Next door, don't you? No. <laughs> he's all about sports. That's why he's so much in. But those voices that we let in our lives will change us before they go to back. It's not going to be just neutral. And we see this a lot when we are younger, with our younger kids. That's why it's important that we raise our kids up in similar uh, values. But it doesn't stop when they become 16, 18, 25, 40, 80, or 90. The voices you listen to will be the voices that change. Where, what voices are speaking into your life? Where are you looking? For some, and especially in pain and suffering, we look to 
the past. I don't know how many of you have ever said the good old days. Anybody ever want to admit they've said the good old days? Maybe the good old days of two years ago, or three. I remember in Hamilton, and any of you watching from Hamilton, don't take this question. You know, they, they used to tell me when I was there, uh, one of my predecessors, Jim Bell, he's actually one of the executives at International Ministries. He and I got together a couple times, and I said, Jim, uh, my biggest issue is, is everyone looks at you as the golden youth pastor days of old. They like tell me how great you were. And he, we were having lunch or breakfast. He almost spit his food out. He goes, well, that's not sure what, what it was like when I was there. And he recounted some of the struggles. But how many years had passed the good old days of ministry there. And then when Aaron was there, Aaron and I, when we get together, he talked about how they just loved it when I was there. Now, we had lots of good time, but I'll tell you, it wasn't all roses when I was there. I can give you a count, it's not important. Uh, now that I've been gone long enough, it was the good old days when I was the youth pastor and associate. But in the moment, it wasn't always good old days. We forget that when we look back, our brains have a great way of forgetting lots of things and remembering other things. But yet, looking back is somewhat important. We're going to read and just open up your Bibles to Revelation 21. And here we read in verse 5, uh, verse 6. Uh, he who is, well, verse 5 and 6, we'll go there. He who is seated on the throne, this is the word of God. Okay, God himself is going to speak here these next words. Okay, and he, and he says, write these down, the whole vision, I think, but also these words. He says, it is finished. I am the Alpha. In the Greek language, Alpha is the very first letter of the Greek uh, language. That's why it's also translated for us, the beginning. He calls John and the church and the nation of Israel to remember who he was. These words come out of Isaiah, I believe 43 and 48, where he tells the nation, I was there at the beginning. I am Alpha. We need to look back and what God has brought us from, but we can't look back and just long for the good old days. For we don't live there anymore. It's like driving a car by only going in reverse. Some of you can't drive very well going forwards, let alone if you were in reverse. Okay? We don't need to look at stoppers. <laughs> Didn't look real quick, and I got him on the court. I'm trying not to, you know? Oh, you're going to get all of us in trouble. <laughs> all right? And for that, for some of us, we need to look to the future, man. We need to look forward. We need to look to the future. The revelation is there so we get a glimpse of the future. God didn't just say, I am the Alpha. I'm the beginning. He says, I am the Omega, the end. Omega, if you haven't guessed where that is in the Greek New Testament, the Greek language, it's the end. From A to Z. Reality is, he's not just at the beginning and at the end, he's everywhere in between. Sometimes, and this is a little bit of my concern, sometimes 
especially in our world. We can get so caught up with what's going to happen in the future, and we need to study. We need to know the times God said to. But we need to understand that if we look so far into the future, we try to live too much in the future, we become of no good to the present. And there's a balance that we must go. And in both cases, sometimes looking back and sometimes looking forward, we miss where we are to look, and our focus is to be Christ alone. Today is a great day for Lutherans. You know that? And not just because it's Halloween. Anybody else know why Lutherans love this day? I'm not going to look over here at Ron Flutter because I know he knows. I'm surprised what he's not wearing. Reformation Sunday. You're not red, Ron. I thought you would have worn red for Reformation. Ron, 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 right? Do what? That's right. Reformation Sunday, as, as we are reminded, they are reminded, but we are reminded one of the things that Luther had us to do was to focus on Christ alone. And sometimes as conservative evangelicals, we can lose our focus on Christ alone as we look back, as we look forward, or we just start looking around at other things. And we either long for a day that is yet to come, or we long for the day that it's already gone. I would be like our farmers, Leland. I would be like you, longing for the days when the bushel of beans were 80, 85 plus. Have you ever had one of those years? Not yet. Not yet. But if he's longing for it too much, he won't ever get it. You know, you can long for last year's crops, and you'll miss what's right in front of you. The same is true here. Yet, we have this book. What do we do? Well, read with me where I think God is calling us this morning as we wrap up how to live through the pain, the suffering, the evil of life that is going to take place, that is taking place this day. John saw a new heaven and earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, see, I think this is someone different. I don't think this is God here because it isn't the one seated on the throne. I think this is one of the messengers there. Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God will be himself, will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What we need to do is we need to behold, we need to look, we need to see. This word here, look, that's translated in the uh, NIV, it's really more powerful than that. It's like this, bam, look! Take notice! Behold! Because see, if we can finally get out of sometimes our, our pain, if we can get out of our past, if we can get out of looking so far into the future, we can see what is happening right now. I have a belief about uh, salvation, that salvation is an already not yet uh, process. You are already saved if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ and Christ alone, you are in it now. Salvation is 100% complete now and forever. But you know what? We don't just get saved so one day we figure it out. 
We don't get saved just going, one day we go to heaven. That's where we as Christians can sometimes lose our focus. Where we're just looking for one day, one day, one day. But instead we look at it today. Behold, I make all things new. He said in verse 6, it is done, it's finished. On the awful, the man of the beginning to the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost for the spring of water of life. To those who are victorious. Did you hear that? To those who are victorious. To those who persevere. They will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But to the coward, to some extent some believe the coward here is those who just give up. You know, the unbeliever, the vile, the murderer, the immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to the second death, the death of a lake of burning fire and salt. We must remember that God makes all things new. And that's not just a promise for the future. Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are. Anybody know it? A new creation. If you are in Christ, what are you? A new creation, a new creature. You are new now. See, part of our hope of understanding evil and suffering and pain, and part of our hope of understanding the future is we get to be different now. Right this day. Because that's the hope our world needs. They don't need to know, well, one day you may get there. Yeah, they need to know that too, but they want to know, what about today? How can I live out differently today? What difference does Jesus make today? Well, he makes all things new, but he doesn't just start his work of newness in the future. We read these words, and I struggled with them for a little bit. In verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I, and I go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense in this context. Because if all these have been made new, the old order to pass away, I'm not really crying, am I? Because I don't think he's talking about tears of joy here. But I think what we are reminded in the future, we need to be reminded now, is God is gentle, he is kind, and he is caring. That's why he wipes away our tears. Now. How so? Have you ever sat next to somebody? And just let them cry. One of two things will happen. Either they'll try to stop real quick, and they don't like crying, or they'll be comforted. Sometimes we don't let God wipe the tears from our eyes because we're not tearing up any at all. We're not crying. We weren't meant to carry the pain and the burdens and the and the, the tears of life on our own. We were meant. To cry them so God can be that gentle, kind, and caring Lord to say, I want to wipe that one. And sometimes we rob the blessing of someone else when we try to suck it up. When we try to escape or any of those others. Here, I believe God is reminding us of his character. See, because his character won't change. His character in the beginning is the same as it will be in the end, and the same everywhere in between. Will you let God show his character to you? 
and not just as words from, from Scripture, though that is important. You will see confirms God cares. Will you let God care through his people, the church? The church that is his hands and feet. Not only that, but I think we must understand this. We must persevere. The reason for the book of Revelation is not just to give us a glimpse of what is to come so you can sit there and be ready and hope that uh, our view of Revelation is correct, especially those of you who believe in a rapture, free trip uh, view of big times. Okay? I think that's I think that's the best view, though it's not something I'm going to die out because I think other views really have good things as well. But the point isn't just for us as the church to understand this and say, I can't wait until that trumpet sounds so I can get out of here. I mean, that's going to be a glorious day. But you know, that's not the point of the Christian life. The point of the Christian life is to persevere to the end over and over in the beginning chapters of Revelation which aren't future-oriented at all. The letters to the churches. He talks over and over again to those who persevere, to those who are victorious. You will receive, and then he gives them a reward. For one, well, let me just start with the very first church. We'll go there. To one, if you will persevere, Actually, the first one, interesting enough, doesn't have it. That's Ephesus, lost the true first love. To Smyrna, the victorious one will not be hurt by the second death. To Pergamum, to the victorious one, I will give him some of the hidden manna. Yeah, ain't that going to be cool? I mean, we were involved in a chili cook-off yesterday. Somehow I won. All right? Uh, it was because there wasn't many in the non-beef category. All right? You know, but man, some of those were good. Can you imagine when God says, hey, I got some of the best stuff right here? The hidden manna of God, whatever that may be. All right? To, to the next, you know, time. to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. They will rule with an iron scepter. Huh? You want to have power and authority? You submit yourself to Jesus and you keep on persevering until the end, time and time. To Sardis? To those who will be victorious, they will be dressed in white, and I will never blot off their name for the book of life. Oh, I don't want to be blotted out by God. Because see, he's faithful. And he says it is finished. What I say will be done. To Philadelphia, he says, uh, to those who are victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city which is coming down from heaven. And I will also write on it a new name. A name known by God himself. To the one who is victorious in Laodicea, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. You see what Christ is doing? He's giving us a glimpse of what to come, but he doesn't say, you just get this because you believed in my name one day and you sat in a pew one day for many years and you waited. It's this idea we persevere, we are victorious. And what our world needs in the midst of pain and evil and suffering is you and I, as the people of God, 
to continue going one step at a time with hope, with life, because we look back and we've seen what God has been done, the alpha of our life. But we look forward to the omega of life. And the fact that he is faithful, he says it. Write these words down, for these words are trustworthy in truth. God has said it in his death. The question is, will you and I live it out now? This is our future hope and glory. If we persevere. Does that mean I'm trying to say that salvation isn't in grace in grace alone? No. You get it by grace, but there's always a response to grace. And here's the beauty. We aren't set up to fail. I don't think I've done this yet to my kids. I hope I never do it, but there's a chance I might. But I'll mess up. But I don't set my kids up to fail in life. God has not set us up to fail. He has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to allow us to persevere. And so sometimes what you and I need is to submit once more. Again, to the one who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. You know what that reminds me of? A story in the Gospel of John where Jesus interacts with a woman. A woman that was caught in the middle of day at the well. That meant lots of things. Most of those not good. And she, he, he asked her, will you give me a drink of water? And she gives the response, well, you're a Jew, obviously, I'm a Samaritan. Don't you know this isn't the way it's supposed to be? From the good old days, we know we don't associate with Jews and the like. Jesus responded, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for living water. The living water that he goes. And here, in his grace and his truth, she believes who he says he is. He tells her about her life and says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is Jerusalem. And he gives her some more. The woman says, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to me, to us. So you can't just see Jesus as a good teacher or as a prophet or as any authority in life. You've got to see him as the Messiah, the authority in life. And Jesus declared to her and declares to you and me this day, I am he. That Messiah, that's me. And what happens? This woman becomes one of the very first evangelists and all scripture. She goes out and she brings the town together to speak to this man. This woman goes and many, it says, John says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the Savior of the world. And to that we ought to say, Amen. 
That's why we live the way we live. That's why we submit to him, even in our pain and suffering, because he is the Savior of the world. It is finished, and there's coming a day when all things will be made new. Behold, look, see, it is done. You and I have hope. We can go on. Your choice is yours. Where? Let me finish. Well, I begin. Where are you looking? Where are you looking for hope? We can find it in many ways. Where are you looking for comfort? We will find it in many ways, including at the bottom, just below. Alright? It's all comfort food for a reason. We find hope. We find love. We find uh, grace. We find authority. We will find perspective in many ways. But my question is, will you look to the Alpha, the Omega? The beginning and the end for those things. It is the Lord himself. See, what I love about the book of Revelation, it, and what I love about our modern translations, in my Bible I have the red letter edition. Does anybody else have the words of Christ in red? No. It's great for what I'm going to tell you next. Because see, here in Revelation 21, we read that the voice, he who is seated on the throne, which is God, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. You flip over to Revelation 22. Verses 12. You will read these same words, but now they're in red, because the interpreters have done the right thing to say, this is Christ speaking here. I, Jesus, verse 16, but he said the other things. Look, behold, see, watch. I'm coming to sin. My reward is with each person. I will give each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. If someone ever says, I don't know that Jesus really is God, they'll do the same to take to Revelation 21 and 22. Absolutely. You're okay, Patty. Till the very end, 
So in these days of pain and suffering and evilness that may be all around us, we can take heart. For there is hope. And so Lord, I ask that you would help us to look to you as the one of authority. That we would change our lives based on who you are and not based on what we want to do. Lord, just continue to be with us as we seek your face this morning. As we sing of your gentleness and of your care. May we always be reminded that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning, the end, and you are in the middle. You are in control. And what you say will be done. So may we persevere until the day we see in fullness the old order of things passing away. And for that, we will say, wonderful Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we pray now. Maranatha, O Lord, to come with us. We thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing the hymn?